0: Welcome to the Sleeper in the Bus Podcast. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing?
1: Hey, I'm over here hoping to become the emergency pitcher in spring training when I'm at labor next weekend. (laughs) You know, after this whole David Ayer story, I was watching hockey last night, and I see two goalies go down within 10 minutes, and then here comes this dude, and they're saying 42 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm in my 40s. Uh, He's played junior level hockey. I'm like, okay, I played some ball at that level. I'm qualified. I could do this emergency stuff. But then I forgot my right arm is still in a cast, so uh, and I can't throw a lefty, so no emergency pitcher for me. But that was a really cool damn story last night in sports, and and to see that dude win, uh, you know, yeah. play his first yeah. hockey game, win. And I've become a hockey fan this year. Uh, and like watching hockey over other sports, and if you would have talked to me even three years ago, I would have laughed at you if if, if I if you said, "Hey, you're gonna become a hockey fan like that." But I'm really getting into it this year uh, with the Hurricanes, and uh, that was really awesome last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I love hockey. If any sport um, is the worst at marketing their own sport, it is it is the National Hockey League, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, even worse than Major League Baseball, which seems ridiculous, but true. Like blacking
1: out the entire country of Canada from uh, watching Blue Jay games? Uh, just ridiculous. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> but uh, one place that isn't blacked
0: out, that is the Chicago suburb area, and our friend Matt Thompson <laughs> will be joining us. So Matt, how you doing?
2: i'm good man i uh, thankfully i don't get any black and as a matter of fact i'm not even blacked out of that cubs network i am one of the few that actually have it in the area so i made a joke on uh, it, it's similar to like the dodgers launch kind of where they're having problems getting it out to everybody uh one of like the biggest cable providers around us don't have deals for it yet so like i would say probably 75 percent of Cubs fans can't watch cubs games which will certainly go over well um so i i guess i might as well make this t- this tweet public uh if you want to come over and watch any Cubs games, just you know twenty bucks ahead, and you supply the food and drinks, and I'll watch baseball with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, feels like, that feels like a pretty good deal. <laughs> Matt, why don't you uh, let people know where you can reach on social media, and then kind of talk a little bit about yourself, what you do over at Prospects Live and Friends of Fantasy Benefits, uh, because Certainly. you do a lot, and not everybody knows who you are.
2: Yeah, um, uh, MD Tomp FWFB, um, big heavy in the prospect game. Started out with you with. You over at uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits been doing the prospect stuff. By the prospect guide. I wrote up all thirty systems and 10, 10 guys each, plus some first year player draft stuff. So I got you covered on that. Uh, but I just love minor league baseball. Uh, love you know scouting out the the future young talent going to minor league games. Um, the only affordable baseball you can go to with a family nowadays, especially. So uh, you know minor league baseball is worth that for me. Um, and uh, you know me and you. And Mike Warner are the the, the guys over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Mostly you, obviously, but uh, we're, we, we'll assist you with whatever we need. But uh, we've been around for, what, five years now? Yeah. Going on a nice little run there. And uh, we're going to get our podcast kicked back off here soon. And, uh, you know, it's all baseball all the time. The offseason is actually the busy season for me. Same for you, I'm sure.
0: And then what do you guys got going over on Prospects Live right now?
2: Yeah, Prospects Live, we're uh, continuing with our top 30s for each system. Just pub, Ralph Lifshitz and I uh, just did did the raise system, and that came out on, it would have been Friday. So if you listen to this on Sunday, it would, that came out on Friday. Uh, so that's still fresh. I mean, obviously all of our top 30s are still fresh. So we got about five or six left to do. Um, we have a top 50 redraft um, fantasy list coming out tomorrow, being Monday. Um and then we already have uh, top 100 OBP list that came out as well, and obviously top 100 fantasy and real life lists on the site already. So we are in the thick of list season over at uh, Prospects Live, never ending.
0: And you need, if you play dynasty leagues, and even if you play just redraft leagues, you need to go check out all the work they've got over on Prospects Live. Uh, like Matt said, a ton of lists, but also a ton of videos, t- just a ton of great content. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Thank lot you. of uh, fantasy specific stuff and a lot of uh, non fantasy stuff. So kind of, a lot of college
2: uh, baseball coverage, if that's mm-hmm. your thing. We huge college team over here this year. We have a lot, of, got the prep, the prep game, and a lot of the first round draft picks for this year. We mm-hmm. already have video and reports up on the site, so make sure you go check that out.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. At least, in my opinion, the the number one source for for my minor league coverage. So, uh, I, I definitely uh, highly recommend that. And if you want to get the uh, friends of fantasy benefits draft guide that Matt was talking about, that he did all thirty write ups on the on the farm systems, uh, you can get that either by emailing me justinmasonfantasy at gmail dot com for a seven dollar PDF, or you can go over to Amazon and just type in the fantasy benefit, uh, and it's available on ebook and uh, uh, paperback there. So, all right, uh, well. Since we have Matt on, I figured it was only uh, it, it was only apropos to talk about prospects. Uh, but we're gonna kind of talk about rookies for redrafts, So, uh, and Jason was nice enough to take my list and add ADPs, So we'll have ADPs to discuss as well. Um, I'll chime in here and there, but a lot of these guys I've gone into depth on already uh, with Paul or Will here uh, in the near future. So uh, I'm going to let Matt and Jason do the heavy lifting, especially with the first guy who is Luis Robert, uh, ADP of 76 in online championship drafts since uh, uh, January 1st. So, Matt, is Luis Robert worth the pick, uh, or are you staying away this year in redraft leagues?
2: Oh, man. It it comes with a couple caveats. Like, if I'm in like a best ball league or something, I think he might be worth the pick, right? Because you have a little protection there. Uh, but at pick, at 76, it uh, was ADP, 51 high. I, I understand it uh, because he has the skill set, the five-tool talent, the five-category could con- contribution to where he can, you know, potentially be on a, te- a lot of teams that win leagues this year. But I guess my taste, that's a little too rich for me. I would rather... I'll gamble on someone like Byron Buxton who I can get later, whose offers kind of a similar skill set. It's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I think Robert's going to struggle a little bit with pitch recognition, especially with the soft stuff, uh, as he gets acclimated to the game. But uh, most young kids Remember, Eloy had the same issue with sliders last year. Um, he adjusted to it. Obviously, had a strong finish to his year. Um, and while I think Luis Roberts talented and stuff, I, he's going to be our number one prospect on the redraft list this year. Uh, I still think he comes with some wars and stuff, but uh, he should be plug-and-play for the White Sox and uh, back toward the bottom of the order and potentially could come up to the top of the order of a nice lineup by the end of the season. So he, I get it. Uh, it's a little rich for me. I would prefer him to be going about 30 picks later. I know that's an obvious statement, but uh, I'll go with Buxton or something like that
1: instead right now. All right, Jason, what are your thoughts on Luis Roberts' price? I'm going to put this blanket statement out there. Uh, this goes for everybody on this list that we're going to talk about today. So in case people are like, damn, it's just like Jason being a grumpy old man. uh, It's because I am, Uh, you know, so one of the things here, and this is where I have evolved as a fantasy player as a whole, I'm always looking for the veteran with a track record over the kid with the higher ceiling. Like I, I would prefer to mitigate my risk by looking for somebody to the point Matt made about, Pitch recognition, and we saw Eloy Jimenez struggle with it early. It's like one of the things with Robert is the rapid ascension he's had. I mean, he's had, you know, he went. High A, double A, triple A last year that didn't have any more than 60 games in any one of those leagues. It was just like, okay, we're good. And now he's now he's got a major league contract and he's supposed to be in the big leagues on day one. It's like he's had all of this just rapid ascension here. And now he's going to get all of the the major league quality stuff. So let's see where he had where he's got. Now toolbox, I mean. 30-30 30 30 season last year tough to overlook that and the numbers were amazing uh but then you look back at the year before and you're like okay this is a guy that went from you know what he did it that uh, in 2018 didn't even hit a home run in three across three leagues and stole 15 bases and he went 30 30 the next year so maybe he has a very quick adjustment curve to things but as a whole I'm always looking for the veteran who can do better yeah it's like but that said I've seen this guy play up close he was here in Charlotte last year I went to a number of games it was a blast to watch him play uh, I mean he's got some tremendous power he's had a couple of he had one home run in Durham that I think landed in Danville Virginia. And then he had another one that I saw here in Charlotte that went out into it. So uh, the Fifth Third Bank Park is built into a square uh, a block downtown or uptown Charlotte. And he hit it and it went somewhere out in the road. I mean, just absolutely obliterated. So he took full advantage of the super happy fun ball last year. But and it's just the the toolbox is definitely there. But when you look at like look at just outfield itself, Guys, you know, guys going behind him that could offer something similar. It, it's really the speed that sets him apart because there's plenty of power behind him. Right now he's outfielder 21. And you go behind him, Loriano, Gallo, Soler, McNeil, Rosario, Castellanos, Ozuna. So it's like the okay, there's Oscar Mercado. You know, that is 40. Almost 50 picks later, at least he's got to the major league experience. So that's a, a not he doesn't have the same power, but the speed obviously is there. But it's easy to see why uh, there and there's Puig, uh, which is going to be a nice comp. Like, okay, hey, 2013 Puig, let's try to get down to there because you know when when Puig came on the scene in 13, that's what he was doing. But uh, it's, when you're looking at the bar of everyday playing time, if you know just looking at a guy, this is an age 23 player, right? I went back and looked to say, okay, show me the age twenty-three players that had at least five hundred plate appearances at the major league level. Last year there were four: Adamas, Bellinger, Franimal, and Ahmad Rosario. And on the whole, there's been fewer than ten every season since 2013. Back when uh, back when Puig made his debut, oh, Puig made his debut in 14. Sorry, so Puig had a uh, age twenty-three season at 14. But in, in 2013, that's when we had Freddie Freeman, Eric Cosmer. Salvador Perez, Rizzo, Seguras, uh, Stanton, Simmons, uh, and Altuve. I mean, we had a lot that year, but there's not that many dudes. And then if you want to say, okay, show me how many guys can do an 850 OPS in age 23, it's about one or two guys per year. That's it. And so this is it. If if this is your one guy – then what other young kid are we going to say can do it as well because it just hasn't been the track record and not to say this guy can't blow it out because Trout and Bryant both did it in 15 and then we had Betts and Machado at 16 Seager and Gallo in 17 but then Andujar in 18 Bellinger in 19 and that's been it for the age 23 so it's a really high bar that we're setting for him and this is my this is my point like give me the safer veteran uh skills I can get later on because there's no way I'm taking him as the top 60 player
0: all right. right. lot to say. But... <laughs> let's talk about a couple rookie hurlers uh, who are going to be pitching for the A's this year. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Jason. Uh, Jesus Lizardo and AJ Puck are going about a little over 100 picks apart. Uh, Lizardo, 118. Uh, Puck, 233. So are you interested in one over the other, or are you
1: interested in both, or, or neither at this point? Uh, put me into neither club. Like I'll take Chris Bassett over both of them. Wow. And Chris Bassett's ADP is at three. Well, here's the thing. I mean, last year, Lazardo pitched 56 innings. Uh, puck, I forgot. It's not much bored, but when we're looking at what these guys have pitched, you know, where I am on guys trying to young kids trying to come back. Both these guys missed time last year. And this is really where it sticks out to me. It's like, you know, puck pitched. Uh, 11 so a total of 36 and 37 innings last year and lazardo pitched 56. it's like okay can we can we look at these guys as 140 inning pitchers this coming season i'm taking the under on that can we look at them as 130 i'm taking i'm still taking the under so maybe at like 120 to 130 innings from both of these guys where that's where I'm looking at the difference so so this gets back to my theory of yeah high you know kids with a high upside, But Bassett's fully back from his injury. I mean, he had his Tommy John surgery. We saw him take off last year. And he threw 144 innings. I'm expecting more from him this year. So give me the 165 innings, 160, 165, over the 120 to 125 from the two kids. Matt,
0: you being a prospect guy, have to completely disagree with this, right? Uh, I do not.
2: Um, I think there's a lot of... Yeah, I, I, I like both these guys. I do, but I, I, he's the innings are spot on. Um, it depends on what the depth of your league. If you're in a shallower league, obviously you're more more inclined to to grab uh, the 125 innings, and these guys are likely to give you and maybe 100 for Puck and 125 for Lizardo uh, because you know your replacement level for your league is a lot higher than. But I'm in some of these 15, 20 team leagues, and the replacement level for a lot of those arms is it's more difficult to find and. And, I mean, look, we all saw Puck pitch yesterday, right, in the spring training game. that He blew first batter of the game, Chris Bryant, fastball up, swing in, fastball uh, down the middle to play for a strike, and then he finished him with, finished him off with that nasty slider. Um, we, I, I love what Puck can do, and and especially Lizardo, too. I mean, Lizardo is a potential maybe future ace because of the way he can command and control uh, his arsenal, and, you know, he's a little bit deeper than Puck's is, and the, the changeup is for Lozardo is an outstanding pitch. Uh, but, again, I, I you know, it, obviously in a shallower league, their ADP should be also, you know, driven up, so you have to pay a little bit more for him. Um, I'm more inclined to take Lazardo if, if either one of these two because I think you're going to get more innings out of him, and I think he's ultimately safer. I think Puck still has some issues with uh, consistency with his command and control and kind of be susceptible to blow-up starts at times just because he... There's gonna be starts where he can't get the fastball over for a strike. And Lazardo's not gonna really have that issue. And then didn't we have like a I could have swore he had like a minor shoulder thing this spring that's kinda of like completely already gone away? Lazardo? Didn't we have like a shoulder thing? Uh, he had something
0: last up? year, but I don't remember anything this year.
2: Okay, well maybe I'm mistaken on that. But um you know you look at he's looked good in be in uh, in camp, I guess. I I thought earlier this season he they tried to slow him down a little bit. Because I mean he's coming off of a Rotator cuff uh, injury and a, a lat strain, uh, so he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's already had Tommy John, um, so I kind of think they need to take the training wheels off as much as it sounds like and just let him throw. But I don't see any signs of them doing that. Uh, they've been they've said all the right things about not having an in, in, innings limit on these two, but I, I mean I don't believe that. Um, this way baseball is nowadays. I there's no way that they're going to let these kids come out and eat, maybe as yes, they should, but if Long story short, I'll take Lazardo over Puck because I think he's safer and uh, is a better better strike thrower to sum it up quickly.
0: All right. I, I disagree with both of you. I, I think I mean I, I want shares of both Lazardo and Puck. I'm the the one eighteen price on Lazardo is a bit rich for me. Uh, yeah. and so I'm gonna hope that he falls to like closer to his max pick of one forty three. Uh Otherwise, I probably won't end up with too many shares. I really like the price on Puck. Now, that's obviously going to go up after what he did yesterday. I think if people were watching and saw just how good he looked in that first inning, uh, people are going to start pushing him up a little bit. But even if it pushes up towards his kind of min ADP of 180, like I don't think that that is uh, overly aggressive. So I think I'm going to have shares of both guys. I would probably project them for about 130 to 140 and and probably lean towards the conservative 130 side. But, I mean, you get to factor on replacement value, too. So, I mean, if these guys go down, if these guys, uh, you know, get shut down, you're going to be able to replace them in your lineup. So it's not like you're you're taking zeros for, for those yeah. innings. So, I mean, you just got to be able to kind of burn and turn those reserve spots, uh, to, you know, find a guy to, uh, pick or to, to replace them when that comes.
1: I mean, I would say this, we, we're looking at the Oakland staff, Lazardo, Montas, Manaya and puck have gone in all 48 online drafts in 2020 Bassett's gone in 35 of those 48. It's like, if, if you need to give me pick one pitcher off that list, that can give me 150 innings, and again, you know, the, the quality of stuff is different. So I'm not saying Bassett's stuff is better than everybody's there, but I'm just saying, at, at you know, like 25 plus workload difference, that's you know, that's five six starts of more. And if we get bass up to 160 innings, and everybody else, you're thinking like 120 to 130. That's really what I'm trying to get at here. It's like stuff wise, I agree. I mean, all those other guys the stuff could be better. But you look at some of the expected stats on Manaya, you're like, yeah, he got away with some stuff last year. Obviously, Montas missing half the season due to suspension. Lazardo is age 22. Are they really going to allow him to go out there and take his workload from, uh, you, they can say no. workload restrictions but are they really going to let him go from 56 uh and you know more than double his workload uh this coming season so that's where I have my concerns whereas again I I've I've talked about the growth you saw in Bassett last year as he got to that two-year mark post Tommy John surgery and again I think at the end of the day he's going to have the most innings on the staff
0: yeah I just have I mean Bassett's not even projected to be in the rotation at this point and like and I think he becomes the kind of the replacement value for the A's. So when they do shut down one or send down one, he's the guy that kind of comes up into that rotation and takes their spot. Uh, and so I'm sure they'll be creative at times. And I do like Bassett, but I mean, he's an AL only guy for me. He's not a mixed league. Uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on and talk about Gavin Lux. Uh, I mean, I don't know that many people necessarily consider him a prospect, but still has the, the prospect tag, uh, I believe. So uh, he's. it seems like yep. he's going to start off as the everyday second baseman for the Dodgers. However, he is projected to hit eighth right now. So Matt, what are your thoughts on Gavin Lux's 2020 value?
2: This is a guy I'm willing to buy. Um, I think what he did last year was Enough, you know, you know, coming up from Double A to the major leagues, and not only coming up but destroying Double A essentially, and then following up and with happy fun ball in Triple A, he really had fun with that. Uh, Slug 719 <laughs> in 49 games, um, but I think with the way, I mean, the Dodgers have already kind of shown their hand, right, with uh, the Jock Peterson trade that didn't go through. Um, and, like, while it doesn't seem to be related at the start, I mean, with Peterson potentially out of the picture, you move Bellinger to the outfield more, and Gavin Lux pl- plays second with Muncie Moore at first base. And I think that's – odds are that could still happen, right? I mean, they could still trade uh, Jock Peterson this spring. Um, and I think with what Lux can do is a five-category kid, uh, you know, prep bat from, the, from, from Wisconsin, so, you, you know, a little more – Lacked a little, a little polish that everyone thought when he was coming up, but he proved to proved to he disproved that pretty quickly with his production. But I mean, the one thing I, I'm not sure you're going to get as many uh, as people think are stolen bases. I don't think he's going to be a true five category guy in that aspect. You'll probably get a handful, maybe eight to ten, but I think the rest of the numbers are going to be are stellar for Lux. The plate skills are there, um, so uh, I'll take a shot on Gavin Lux there, where he's going. Jason, I think there's are, a, upside for the price.
1: Jason, what are your thoughts on Lux? I I see right now he's the 15th second baseman off the board. And you look uh, behind him, uh, Hampson McMahon, uh, you know, our favorite lottery tickets from last year. Then you got Brandon Lau at 210, going almost 60 picks after him. It's like to me, this is gets back to my point where high upside rookie, but I've got a guy that's already done it at the major league level. I can go back here who has a better path to higher in the lineup playing time. But I think one thing that's really nice here for for Lux is if you're hitting eighth in a national league, your job is to accept, be accepting of your walks. And that's something he's done throughout his minor league career. And so it, it, to, uh, to Matt's point, if they do move Peterson, that could create some upward surge in the lineup. Obviously with him hitting eight, that's going to, That that tempers expectations a little bit, but he's got the skills to hit eight, accept his walks, let the pitcher do the stupid bunt, move him over to second. You know, yawn. Uh, but that's where it, that you know on base leagues, it could be a really nice thing for an OBP league because this kid is it does that really well, accepts his walks. If you make a mistake, if you try to if you're trying to pitch around him and make a mistake, he's also got the tools to to hurt you in that capacity. So he can do some run production there at the bottom of the lineup. But I'm just curious to see how they're gonna pitch him.
0: All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and move over to a raised corner for a minute. And we'll get back to another race corner a little bit later. But uh, first, let's talk about Brendan McKay. Uh, Two-way player, obviously, for fantasy purposes at least, we're we're mostly worried about him as a pitcher. The question becomes, do we trust Tampa Bay to not kind of dick him around uh, and dick fantasy owners around? So Jason, what are your thoughts on Brendan McKay?
1: Uh, well, slow so we'll start to the spring already. Uh, he had uh, some shoulder soreness, and they pushed back his first bullpen. I think he's going tomorrow. Uh, so there's been a little bit of that already. But if you recall last year, they used him on a six-day program. So he's pitching every six day. They've already said he's going to Durham to start the year, and he's going to pitch every five days because they want to get him you – know, they want to have him in a, a better place for this year. So there's a spot where they're going to work up his – to uh, push his workload up a little bit little bit. So he's not so uh, pampered uh, to that capacity as he was last year. So, uh, but again, he's starting the year in AAA and then you try to look and say, okay, what's his path to coming up to the major leagues? Uh, And you've got Morton, Snell, Glassnell, Chirinos, and Yarbrough. Uh, And the teams can't be as liberal with moving guys up and down this year with the 50, 15 day rule instead of the 10 rule, a 10 day rule on that. So I expect McKay to stay down a while this year to get stuff built up. But if somebody does get hurt out of the gate, he's one of the first guys up uh in that capacity. But I don't he is a if you're in a quality starts league, I'm concerned because I don't see him going six innings. He's not typically that type of pitcher. Uh he's really that that two times through guy and bring the next guy in. So uh wins quality starts i'm i'm concerned about him doing that this year because we're talking about reset leagues matt what do you think what do you think of mckay um
2: yeah some of those same concerns um obviously tamp tampa bay has depth uh, on on the mound that gives anybody a run for their money. might be the most depth of the league as far as major league ready arms uh that can take innings and you know That's going to push McKay, uh, as we've seen, already kind of off the opening day roster. And if he's not performing well, which I don't, there's no reason to think he won't, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. And then there's some guys like, you know, other guys like Brent Honeywell, who are complete wild cards in this whole thing, that could throw a wrench into that if he proves to come back and be healthy. Um, but with McKay, I know the strikeout numbers were, were solid in the big leagues last year and obviously through the minors, uh, but he has a little issue putting hitters away, too. And that's something that. You need to look at it. He doesn't really have a plus yep. pitch. Um, he, he, he'll he get you 0-2 real quick, and then he'll do the thing where, you know, you, th- you throw a uh, throwaway pitch, go down to 1-2, and then foul ball, foul ball, nibble, 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 and before you know it, it's, you know, you're know you looking at a, a full count or a 2-2 count or whatever, and, and he and mitigated his 0-2 pitch because he, he can't put hitters away. He, he thrives more on weak contact than he does swing and miss. Um, And, again, you know, I think the two-way thing, too, especially for this year, I don't think that's going to be a factor. Um, I want to just kind of throw that out there, too, um, because there's a lot of mouth to feed at the corner and DH spots. I don't see McKay getting more than the token, what, 15, 20 at-bats throughout the season, and that's kind of in rare rare situations, even if he does get that. Um, So you're looking at him just as a pitcher, and again you know the the innings limit thing is huge uh the once a week thing is huge because they want him to do the both the hitting and hitting and uh pitching which they've kind of scaled back a little bit so they were doing the once a week starting thing kind of keeping him on his college days in louisville i think you in the minor leagues he was pitching every sunday as uh, what he was doing and kind of came up and shed that a little bit in the pros but with with the rays anyways in the big leagues but Still only going once a week, and you know, they want to get him on regular turns, and that's going to take an adjustment. So, he's going to do that adjustment in the minor leagues, not the majors as well. So, he's a good stash. Uh, not at the um, what's the ADP? I, I lost the sheet real quick. Let me pull it up. Uh, uh 272.
1: 272, it's too high. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's a good ratio play for sure. Like, I think he's a good guy to stabilize your your uh, whips, whip, which is an underrated fantasy stat, and you know. Quality start leagues, like Jason said, is going to take a hit. Uh, wins leagues, even maybe, because of, there's only a handful of starts where he even pitched into the fifth. I want to say last year, uh, with how he was kind of coddled and stuff. Which not to say the Rays are doing it wrong, because I mean they they know how to do pitchers better than anybody, essentially. But I just don't see a lot of fantasy value here. I do see a lot of real life value, especially with the 26 man. Potentially, he can be two way guy. Um, but fantasy value, I'm, I'm going to pass this year. But the price is the price is right, but it's hard to see where you know 150 innings are going to come from from him this year which i think he they need to push him to that but we'll see uh, how many of those come in tampa is the question
0: yeah all right uh let's go ahead and move on over to justin may uh, a guy that we thought might get a shot a little bit sooner with ross stripling leaving town with ross stripling not leaving town there's a huge clusterfuck uh, kind of going on inside of uh, Dodger Stadium, uh, at least from the pitching uh, department. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Dustin May's 2020 value?
2: That's just free ginger guard, man. Get him some, get him, uh, get him some innings. Uh, he's got some of the best stuff in the minors, man. Real upper upper ninety sinker that can touch a hundred miles an hour. Uh, has a cutter, curveball, and a, a changeup that's starting to prove to be a, a nasty pitch. He's kind of got like. Uh, Bronson Arroyo-esque delivery with the big leg kick and uh, the skinny frame, and he's he's fun to watch pitch just because the stuff is nasty and everything's got so much movement. I think if you know, obviously the Dodgers have announced that he's he's not gonna not gonna pitch out of the bullpen for them this year. So and he's not gonna make the rotation. So he's pretty much ticketed for Oklahoma City to start the year. Uh, he's big league ready though. One thing though that doesn't the strikeouts don't really match the stuff he's kind of proven to be like a eight, eight and a half per nine strikeout guy as opposed to what the stuff says he should be, but he thrives a lot on ground balls and weak contact, and I think he's got all the recipe to be a completely lights-out reliever if they needed to go that route because the Dodgers bullpen is not really that great, um, but they've announced that he's going to start in AAA, and he just gets thrown out of the pile of of depth they have in the rotation. We just talked about Tampa Bay's depth. I think the Dodgers might be the only team that might have more, um, and you're looking at guys like Tony Gonsolin and Mitchell White and, and Dustin, Witt, Dustin May, who are going to squeeze out of rotation spots because there's simply only five spots to go. And Dodgers can't really play as many games this year with the new 15-day DL for pitchers, and options are 15 days for pitchers as well. So they can play the games, but it's going to cost you two starts instead of one for sending guys down or putting guys on the DL. I think they're going to be less likely to do that with guys like Kershaw, but they'll still do it with the back-end guys, so he's still going to kind of get some spots in there. But, you know, it's, it's hard to project anything. But on skills-wise, though, I'll take a shot on Dustin May because I, I do like the Arsenal, um, and he's one of the most talented arms in the staff. But like, I would rather have Brendan McKay for this year over May, and that's not to say that I like very like either of them very much for twenty twenty. Uh, but long term, give me both of them, but give me May over over McKay.
0: Well, and I think the hard part too with a guy like McKay and May. Uh, which are hard to say together. Um, is <laughs> yeah, hard they're, so they're hard to roster in fantasy unless you have minor league spots.
2: Yeah, right? you can't burn a roster spot on a yeah, guy like, like
0: you can't draft these guys in NFBC and then hold on. They to They don't them. have
2: the strikeout upside to stash, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you just don't yeah. know
0: how they're going to be used, especially in weekly formats like NFBC is for pitchers. Uh, it, it becomes very, very difficult. And so, even in daily moves league, I mean, unless you've got a really deep bench or uh, you know minor league spots. It's just going to be hard to roster these guys consistently, especially if you get hit by any sort of injuries. Jason, what are your thoughts on Dustin May?
1: Yeah, his rage is interesting to me. It's like he's he's 239. Somebody's taken him as high as 160, but he's (laughs) gone as low as 310. I mean, the 360 is like, what? Uh, The 160 is is rather. But I'm glad Matt brought up Tony Gonsolin, because that's one of the things. When I look at this Dodger staff right now, 48 online drafts. May has gone in all 48. Gonsolin has gone in four. Yeah, uh, of these, and you look at role because we're talking again about redraft. I'm not saying the Gonsolin's better than May, but Gonsolin is a guy that can work as a swing guy. And if the Dodgers do one thing really well, it's moving pitchers up and down frequently. Uh, maybe Gonsolin makes this club out of out of out of the uh, spring and works as the multi inning guy on the backside because you again, you look at the staff. And Alex Wood's on it. We know Alex Wood's gonna get hurt because that's what his name stands for, his injury. And I, I do not believe Urias can can handle a big workload. I think the opportunity is there for Gonsolin to use to bounce back and forth down that rotation, much like stripling uh well, was originally, and so I—he's I, one of the guys that I like uh, as a, as a late bargain. He's just sitting there at 358 uh, for ADP. He's, again, he's only gone in four drafts, uh, and so it's like a, a guy that I'm looking at in reserve rounds uh, for that purpose. But for me, May—it's—it's it's just the the role. What are the Dodgers going to do? I think it's going to take a long-term injury for him to get an early opportunity, and the longer he sits on your bench. You're just gonna be sitting there going, "Oh my God, call him up already." Free Dustin May, and then you, by maybe, maybe we're into late May or early June before Dustin May is finally freed. And in the meantime, somebody else has got two months of production from somebody else.
2: You made a good point with the injuries because if there's an early injury, I think Dustin May is the best pitcher of that group we listed. I think if there's an early injury for the Dodgers and he's fresh enough out of camp where he's still. I mean, he's going to be starting in the minor league, so even if it's early in the year, he can slide right into the rotation. So I'm with you on the early injury thing, because I think he's the more talented of that group we listed, but Gonsolin, White, uh, even even Alex Wood and stuff. But so maybe the early injury would be, I don't want to wish injuries on anybody, but early injury would work out better for May, so he can slide in kind of, because I think he's a guy that they could they'll just let go, because he's pitched a lot of innings in the minor leagues, so you're not going to be worried necessarily about that. Right. Um so yeah I, I, that's a good point you brought up.
1: Well I would say the other thing Dustin May has also had side discomfort this weekend and so they had to push back his oh, schedule a little bit that. so yeah there's there's one thing already uh you know, right early out of camp so that's something else to consider as well. Uh but that's those are just my thoughts this again gets back to grumpy old man <laughs> all right. Well, let's see
0: if you're a grumpy old man on uh, this next guy, uh, and that's Michael Kopech, who uh, obviously coming off of uh, uh, Tommy John surgery, uh, but has looked reportedly looked good so far this spring. Any chance that Michael Kopech ends on any, ends up on any of your teams, Jason? No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I I've harped on this all winter, uh, just because you we know, I want. Anybody coming back off Tommy John surgery, get back to me when it's 24 months post surgery. Otherwise, no thanks. And they've already said they want to put him on a workload. Yeah, you know, I think the number I saw was 125. And so it's like, no, it, I, no, 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 thanks. And he's going 281. He's gone in every draft so far. And you could just kind of look down behind and, and some other things. Stripling is going behind him. Stephen Mats uh, looking a starting pitcher somehow. Michael Pineda, even though he's going to miss time, is still up there. Uh, Dylan Cease, Ronaldo Lopez pass. Uh, Josh James, always intriguing, uh, reworking his delivery this winter. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, that's where we're we're getting down to pitching. That's where he is. But, no, I mean, at at 125 innings, you're going to have to find somebody else. If I could get him and find somebody on my reserves that I know is going to work a lot, uh, if I have that capacity, yeah. But I tell you right now, in labor, if, if he ended up on my roster in labor, uh, th- which is a week from uh, – say, so, so it's a week, uh, six days from now. If Kopech is on my roster, uh, I mis- somebody mistook me sneezing for raising my hand on a bid because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are your thoughts on Kopech?
2: I like Kopech. Uh, when we were – all three of us were in Arizona for the Fall League on and- – he was actually throwing in instruct games and looking good, I guess, even then. Uh, and what was that October? That would have been, um, a full year from Tommy John already there. Uh, now you can add, you know, another what, six months onto that. And so we're talking, he's already at about 18 months from Tommy John, um, which is interesting enough to, to track on that. It kind of, he's, Got more time off typically than most arms get with that, and I'm not a surprise that he looks good. But he's also probably been throwing consistently all winter uh, as he tries to build up arm strength and stuff. So he should be ahead of guys at this point, um, and truthfully, even healthy arms because he's been consistently throwing longer. That being said, I think with the price, I think I'll probably have a share or two of Kopech. Um, it's pretty much down to him, and I mean the rest the way the White Sox staff is set up. I mean, Gialli going to have a spot uh Keiko Gio Gonzalez are going to have spots Ronaldo Lopez is probably guaranteed a spot I don't know, although I don't know if he should be and then it's gonna it's gonna be like Dylan Cease and, and Michael Kopek kind of competing for that five spot and like we said Kopek's going to be limited at probably 125 I think that's the number Jason threw out there Dylan Cease is going to be limited innings wise as well just because of how young he is and I think those two can kind of play off each other pretty well for that fifth spot. They both have their wards. They're both prone to blow-ups. What we saw from Kopech at when he was healthy, though, intrigued me a little bit. Not, we we know the fastball velocity, when we know the slider. Uh, but his changeup, man, it was it was surprisingly better than I thought it was, even in a brief sample with the majors. He only threw it a handful of times, but he got whiffs on it. Um, so I think seeing any growth from there, and there were some rumors in Arizona that he – Kind of sought help from outside the organization for pitching wise, which is what Giolito did last year before, yeah. before the season started. So I'm intrigued on that um, as well. So, and the prices, he's, he's going after Puck and after Luzardo and guys we've already mentioned earlier. So I think I'll have a share or two of Copac. I'm not investing heavily, obviously. And you have to come into an understanding that you're probably going to get 125, 130 innings. But I'll take a shot there. Um, AL Central is still incredibly weak. You can pick your spots with Kopech, too, when you're using them, if you even want to get that far with it, if you have the luxury of doing that. So I'll take a shot on Kopech. And if, I, if I'm right on this, Justin, you're a Kopech guy, aren't you? I
0: am. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I just updated my ranks last night. I'll repost them uh, on uh, Rotographs uh, tomorrow uh, morning. So, if you're listening to this on Monday, they should be already up. Uh, I have him as my 61st pitcher, and that's 13 spots up I from think, my like original the, rank. So, yeah. was uh, he around if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Dylan Cease, Garrett Richards, Mackenzie Gore.
2: So, okay, I'll take Gore over Kopech, but I'm with you on the others. Yeah,
1: no. The, and here's a Gore's the a hard one to rank. White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh best but the White Sox. As much as we love the potential of this offense, which could be really special, could their be. pitching staff, I mean, yeah. Just, the I mean, like Giolito, I think Keiko could you know, bounce back to 200 innings being in the American League and the way he pitches with yeah. efficiency. I, I have never been a Ronaldo Lopez fan. Oh. Gio Gonzalez, they're hoping, just soaks up some innings. But then you know, back to the fifth spot with Cece and Kopech, it's not like this organization has pitching depth. Uh, you know, you look at A and, and Dane Dunning, but it, that's going to be a rush. Uh, so the Charlotte pitching staff that I'll get to enjoy is going to be eh. And the bullpen, not an Alex Colomay fan at all. They just signed Aaron Bummer to a uh, an extension yesterday, and I, I like the addition of Steve Seashack to that bullpen, uh, which will give them some. Ex- but this is the Achilles heel; they're going to have to win a lot of games, seven to five, uh, because you know yeah. one, two. It's almost the the Warren Spahn and, and Warren Sane, uh, and uh, Johnny Sain and Pray for Rain is where we're at uh, with the rest of this pitching staff. <laughs> that's that's my thoughts on it. All
2: right, hey, yeah, no issues with any of that. I, I, I'm in Chicago. I'm looking forward to. Of course, of all years, though this is the year that they canceled that cheap ticket plan. So they actually, they actually had what they had is they had an awesome deal. Like you could get for the month, you could pay fifty bucks and you can get a standing room only ticket to any to every game of the whole month at home.
1: Yeah, the Braves had it for thirty a couple of years ago. I'm yeah. going in standing room only, and you could like just go dog, in a
2: hot dog yeah. and a beverage and a no ticket. But obviously, in the White Sox, there's like nobody there, so you obviously have a seat. But like. They canceled that deal this year, and of course, well, with all the of course they
0: did. You're not going to put that <laughs> deal when you're good, like when you're <laughs> right. when people are coming to the stadium because they're excited about a team. Like the, that deal is to get people to the stadium. Like right. that, that'll I'll be the, a... that'll be the deal the Giants have this year.
2: That stadium, <laughs> though, is worth the worth that that price alone, isn't? I've never been there. I it to it totally
0: is, and if it wasn't an hour and a half from my house, I would be probably be there every day. So, see, White
2: Sox is like 40 minutes from me, so I can make that.
0: T- uh all right, let's uh let's go ahead and move on and, and uh since we mentioned Mackenzie Gore, uh we might as well just uh kind of move him up the list and talk about him next. Uh going off the board at uh pick two seventy three, I just mentioned I have him sixty fourth in my ranks, uh for starting pitcher this year. So Matt, tell me why I'm low on Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, I
2: I've been screaming all season and all all winter that I think Gore's breaking camp at the Padres, man. I really do. Um, they did the same thing with Paddock last year and, and Paddock was coming off Tommy John Gore was relatively healthy, except for he's had some finger issues that he had in all the way back in low A in 2018. So I don't think there's any health issues here to worry about with Gore I'm knocking on wood, but, but you look at, you know, everything else with Mackenzie Gore, how athletic and stuff he is. Uh, he's, he's probably their second best pitcher in the organization right now, as is, present behind Chris Paddock, and I think he's got the potential to be better than Paddock. But Preller's seat is getting pretty warm out in San Diego. They spent some money. They uh, haven't been winning games. Uh, he essentially committed, well, while we're all for it, um, with Tatis and Paddock, if you're not going to continue to do that, you probably shouldn't have done it, right? Because then you started the clock on guys on non-competitive teams. Um, you kind of have to – you're pot committed at this point. You got to push it in. Go with Gore. Um, he's going to be limited to probably 150 innings at the max, um, but that's fine because I think you're going to get above average production solidly throughout the throughout the, the innings that he's up. Um, I've gotten some pushback on my Gore opening day uh, assessment. Um, Not and for willing,
0: me. I've copied. And it. I'm
2: willing to. And I'm willing to take that. But I mean, if he doesn't make the roster on opening day, but comes up. The first time they need a fifth starter isn't that kind of the same thing like he's gonna he's gonna and i think ultimately that's probably what they'll do they'll make sure they get that extra year of service and they'll probably send him down around the all-star break i la paddock and whenever they get a chance to, to skip starters they'll probably send him down but mackenzie gore is is a, a supreme talent and he's going to be in you know a guy that we're going to be clamoring for and within the top 100 picks in fantasy pretty soon consistently and you have a chance to get him right now at a really nice discount, and I, I could not be more in on Gore. I love everything I've seen about the kid.
0: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, and I, I stole your bold prediction of, of Mackenzie Gore making the, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have no shame about <laughs> saying that I hey, stole it and stealing it. So
2: partners, right? You can, you can steal my opinions. I don't care. I, you might I appreciate long, it. You
0: take the heat for it. But. Uh, I'm okay <laughs> taking the heat for it because, like you said, worst-case scenario, he's up in, like, two or three weeks. Right, uh, when they
2: need a fifth starter. So, you know, opening day, they always have the extra off days in case, you know, the rain outs and stuff. So they might be able to play with a fifth starter for the first couple weeks. But what's the difference? At well, that point?
0: and I mean, here's the thing. Like, they start, uh, let's see, they only have one day off in the first two weeks of the season.
2: So maybe and, not then.
0: So, I mean, they, 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 open, they open the season with eight straight games. And then so have a day not, off and go six more. So I, they may. Yeah, need so they'll him. him right away. Yeah. So they they can play with the service time mid season like they did with Paddock last year, and you know try to try to finagle things. So uh, I, I I do I think he's up um, unless he is abysmal during spring training. I, don't I think, anticipate that. But yeah, I don't, I don't either, uh, and so I think he's up as well. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on uh, McKenzie Core?
1: I can go grumpy old man again, right? Go oh, uh, ahead. Waiting I, for you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna ask this question. Tell me the last 20-year-old pitcher who threw as many as fifty innings in the major league baseball season.
2: My pushback question to that is how many twenty-year-old pitchers have been as good as Mackenzie Gore and ready to go?
1: it's well, gonna answer it's gonna answer the question, but <laughs> zero, probably. <laughs> no, no, we had one. 2013. It's the last time a twenty-year-old threw as many fifty innings in a major league baseball oh, game as Jose it's... Fernandez. Uh, so, okay. was Fernandez. Okay. so it's like that's that's where we're looking but before that, Jordan Miles. Before that, Madison Bumgarner. Before right. that, Rick Porcello. Uh, Porcello, you know, then Clayton Kershaw. Then Felix. So it's like, right? You know, Get it. Felix, Kershaw, Bumgarner, Fernandez. That's the kind of like, grinky That's the kind of label. Then we got Bonderman. You know, I was just talking to somebody about that the <laughs> other day. It's like, who's that guy? Is like. Why did the Why did the Tigers call up Bonderman in two thousand three and ruin his ruin his career by letting him throw one hundred and sixty two innings as a twenty year old? Right, but that's the that's the class of pitcher we're talking about, and that that's the point I'm trying to get to is. I'm I'm against you guys here because I don't think San Diego needs to do this. Uh, maybe it's because I'm still a believer in Joey Lucchese, and maybe I I, you know, I don't like Richards much for the same reasons uh, for for Kopech and for McCullers and whatnot. But I'm still a Dilson lamette fan. I think Gore will make the major leagues this year. I just don't see a path for him throwing more than I don't see him throwing more than maybe. 60 innings only because that bullpen's outrageously good and they can just, but they can roll up other guys. Uh, You know, let Quantrill, let Perdomo, you know, let these guys come up and soak up some of those other innings and then just hand it off to the bullpen. Um, So that's where I see that they don't need to make the rush with Gore like Miami did with Jose Fernandez or like the giants did with bum Gardner or the Dodgers with Kershaw uh, or the Mariners with, with Fernandez. So I'm, I'm on the other side of this.
0: When when did Brian Dozier sign with the freaking Padres?
2: Uh, I don't know. Did they uh, sign? Like I was aware spring? of that. Did yeah. that happen today? <laughs> In non- NRI. Non- <laughs> n- yeah,
0: non-roster invite uh, to uh, spring training. So interesting. How um, you the they, it Maybe it was right after they did the Manny Margot trade. Maybe it was after Kinsley I don't know. Um, well, Hot take: I'd rather have Dozier than Kipnis. That's not that hot of a take, no. All right, let's talk about a guy that deserves some hot takes, uh, and that's my boy, uh, Joe Adele, whose price had been going up quite a bit, and then the trade that never happened happened, and I think it kind of put the brakes on a lot of people's thoughts on what at least the angels think of Joe Adele for 2020. So, Jason, where are you taking Joe Adele?
1: Um... I'm not quite sure yet. You know, when you look at, when you look at everything that's going on uh, with them I, again, overall, I don't try to go get these rookies. Uh, and that's really been where my problem is. But then again, Brian Goodwin st- shouldn't stand in anybody's way uh, with this, but I'm not going to pay market price on him just because it's my nature not to. Uh, and I'm just very curious to see where he's going to go in, and tell this or not then labor this weekend. Right now he's outfield 53. I mean, I'll, Going old man, I'll take McCutcheon all day long over him, but we're talking one spot difference in ADP. Avisail Garcia in, in Milwaukee intrigues me, given his athleticism in that ballpark and see how his power plays up. Uh, yeah, I would have said Verdugo before the whole uh, stress fracture in his back because him in Fenway is very intriguing. Brian Anderson hitting in the middle of that lineup. These are all guys going after the upside of Adele. Uh, and so I always tend to fall back to those guys.
0: Matt? Where are you taking Adele?
2: Uh, not at the price he's going. Uh, I think you're you're right on the fact that um, uh, there's no world. They're obviously looking for an upgrade there. But here's a name, um, David Fletcher. Uh, he's probably going to get in the way of a lot of things because I think he's going to play right field a lot with the way the team set up. They like the Joe Madden loves La Stella. Loved him in Chicago. He's going to love him in L- L.A. He's going to mm-hmm. play second base. Uh, the DH spot is going to be blocked up by Pujols or Tani. Not that Adele would DH, but that's the spot in the lineup. Those guys are going to plug that hole. Um, Stella could essentially play first. I got some other guys, Walsh and Thais, that could fit in at first base whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of... And Adele, and Adele needs time in the minor leagues as well. Um, he needs to work on making more consistent contact. He's got the power. He's got the plus, plus raw power to his pull side. Uh, he's He's an explosive athlete underway. He's a, he's a plus runner. He's a good glove in the outfield. Uh, the, arm, the arm isn't great, but, I mean, you can make it work. Um, the thing with, the, with Adele, though, is, again, he needs more consistent contact. Uh, he had a 60, 60-something percent contact rate, 64 percent contact rate in AAA last year. Um, not great. Um, he was 74 percent in AA. So he's obviously still needs to work on it there, too. And David Fletcher is a guy that Joe Madden's is going to love. He's going to probably play every day, whether it kind of be third base, second base, wherever. He's going to fill in shortstop, right field seems like the obvious spot for him, right, with the way the team is set up. So I'm, I'm off Adele for this year, um, but uh, give me all the future shares, but just not not for 2020.
0: Well, I think you're both wrong and stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: There's been the a David look. Fletcher
0: thing
2: it gets me. And the Peterson trade that almost happened, like they're obviously looking for something to go there.
1: I could see him turning David Fletcher into his Ben Zobrist.
2: Yeah, that's Madden needs a guy like that. I think it always needs loves a guy like just that. Just like he needs oxygen, he needs a Ben Zobrist type. So yeah, I'm with and, you on and that. wine, yeah. yeah, and wine and zany quotes. I hate that guy.
1: <laughs> I love that dude. <laughs> <laughs> he honestly, but you know, when I was doing the radio work in Tampa Bay and going into the clubhouse, like he would actually take my questions, and I was there like two days a month. But he was all he always treated me cool, and so I always appreciated that. Oh, that's good. I will forever hold him because I would ask the I would ask the question. I would always wait till the end because I knew my place in the in the in the room, and I would always ask strategy questions. You know, don't talk to me about it's like can't stand or talk me through. It's just like okay, this is what the number like you you know you you went you decided not to. Sack bunt, not that he did much of that, but you know, I would ask strategy questions about not sending the runner uh, when he's when this particular pitcher's got a slow time to uh, home. This catcher's got a slow pop time. It's like the the conditions were perfect for it, and yet that guy stayed put. Why? You know, those types of questions. He, probably, he, always, like, he yeah. probably loves.
2: questions like that. To be honest, he did. He, he told he me one time. Was he's was like, like, I, I
1: yeah.
0: like your questions. I'm like, awesome. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Validation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh, we've got a few more guys to cover, so we're gonna move through these ones. A little bit faster, uh, starting with Wander Franco, who's been talked about quite a bit uh, here recently as a guy that could potentially make an impact in 2020. Matt, uh, why don't you go ahead and start with this one and tell me that that's crazy? Um, impact probably is
2: crazy. I, I the Rays are making all the right comments about it. they expect them to be in their plans in 2020. Um, they just have so much depth on the infield. The one thing they are kind of spotty in the infield, maybe third base, which I think is where Wander probably settles in because Adamus is a plus glove at short. Um, but they're kind of experimenting with Nate Lowe there. Not that that should block anything Wander Franco is doing, but they're looking for third base. So maybe he maybe comes up in the second half or, or whatever, prior to the playoffs, to kind of get on the playoff roster if they need him and uh, play a little bit of third base then but uh as far as fantasy i'm not drafting him this year because i don't think he's gonna make enough of an impact but i mean this guy is unreal play skills and contact rates and plus runner plus gl- i mean really good really good glove uh, uh here that can double plus hit tool from both sides it's insane stuff but uh now i'm gonna pass on uh, 2020 impact for mr franco
1: jason are you passing on the future ray all-star uh, I am. I mean, I want uh, as, as the baseball fan. I want them to give him like a hundred million dollar contract, like right now and today. It should and just be done with it. Yeah, uh, it he's already. I mean, there's. I, I've always called him shortstop Jesus because yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I and I've never even been able to see him play in the minor leagues because when I drove three and a half hours, game got rained out. I was like, oh. oh my god, this is so crappy. Johnson City, Tennessee, all the way up there, and it was torrential flooding by the time I got there. So mad, uh, but. Yeah, he is. I mean, for me, it's the only way he makes g- impact and even the other part about about September only being 28 man rosters. Right. Like if it was 40, just throw him up and you know, let him yep. do his thing in September. I'm very excited about this season and the potential Tampa Bay has. But you know, there's plenty of depth all over the roster. Uh, uh, to me, a lot of things will have had to go wrong. For the opportunity for them to say for That's them sad. to go against their nature. Cause again, they never they've never done this. Even you know, they gave even when people were clamoring for Desmond Jennings and they were giving <laughs> at bats to stiffs out in the in the outfield. Desmond Jennings rotted in Durham, but you know, the, back in the day, like before the you know before uh, freeben and Neander, and you know, the, the, the the tree is grown around the major leagues now. But you know, when they called up Upton at 19, that was fun, uh, and, and as as a shortstop, mind you, that was fun. And then Crawford and, and you know Delman, but that was back in the day. It's like they've never done this and they've got plenty of in the third base. they you know, Yanni Diaz worked on his flexibility instead of weight training uh this winter. Uh Nate Lowe has dropped twenty pounds. He legitimately he looks, looks like, like a taller brother. version of Brandon he looks Lowe. Like his brother. Well that but he looks like when I at the plate, he looks like Brandon Lau right now. At first I had a double take. I was like, <laughs> Either Nate lost twenty pounds or Brandon Low uh Brandon Lau grew four or five inches. Uh yeah, but that's, that's, that's it. Nice so man. he's really slimmed down. Oh, he's please, trying to make please, his way again.
0: All right, let's uh, let's move on. Talk about Sean Murphy, uh, who is considered, I think, a top twelve catcher right now uh, in fantasy circles. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on Murphy? Uh,
1: I hope the knee holds up. I mean, it's it's an intriguing position between Sean Murphy and uh, and Austin Allen, the guy they acquired uh, in the uh, in the pro Profar trade. It was uh, you know. The last bit of race corner is like that morning I had interacted with somebody I know in the that's involved with the club. And I was like, man, would love if the team could acquire Austin Allen. And then boom, within that day, like three hours later, Austin Allen goes to the goes to the uh, Oakland. You know, that was a little weird. So if Sean Murphy's knees can hold up, that would be great. Because, I mean, I like, the, I like the offensive potential of both these guys. But I almost feel like if I draft Murphy, I've got to take Allen as well. And especially if you're in the only league, and just say, okay, I have Oakland's catchers. Uh, and try to do something like that. Because, uh, you know, there could be some upside there. And if one, if Murphy's knee is not, because uh, he's had a couple of surges over the last couple of years. And if something goes wrong again, you have his backup. Uh,
0: Matt, what are your thoughts on Murphy? I. I agree
2: with a lot of what uh, Jason said, and I think if you take him, you have to take Allen because I think Allen's going to play more than the traditional backup, so I think you nailed that. I'm not going to take Murphy, and it's nothing to do with Murphy. I got burned by Danny Jansen last year. And I'm still feeling the sting of rookie catchers, so I probably won't go that route again this year. Oh, um, you and me both, dude. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm like, like shell-shocked from that.
1: And that's so. been a long rule for me, too. It's like rookie catchers, man, they're so hard, but then the yeah. price on Jansen was so nice yeah, last year. I'm like, you know what I'm in? I'm in, yep. and and it took to the very end of the season for him to squeeze out yeah, and uh, monogram my of value. So, <laughs>
2: yeah, and he wasn't on my team in the last part of the year, so it was the perfect stuff. Yeah. All
0: right, uh, Matt, you, you're a Cardinals homer. I mean, you don't you don't hide the fact that you love the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, you love the Cardinals, <laughs> and you're irrational <laughs> about them. So why don't you get irrational about Dylan Carlson?
2: I like Dylan Carlson a lot. as not you're not surprised, I'm sure, but like. He's the kind of guy that you always why, – why plate skills are so important when you look at prospects, right? Because he always had that. He's first-round pedigree. His dad is a uh, coach in California at Elk Grove uh, High School. It's one of the elite college or elite prep programs in the nation. Um, so it's it's a, a pro factory. And you know, Carlson was uh, 9, 10 years old practicing with these high school kids running around. He's been on the field for years over there. Um, stuff like that plays up. Cardinals aggressively push their prospects throughout the minor leagues. Uh, he's 21 years old, banging on the door to the major leagues now. He's ready to go. Um, the only thing that's going to stop him is Dexter Fowler's contract. Uh, they love Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill is the kind of guy that needs regular playing time to be with his plate. With his, the way his plate approach is, a lot of swing and miss, kind of aggressive, but he walks enough. But he'll he'll pretty much swing at any fastball in the zone. Aggressive hitters that strike out a lot need regular playing time. So for Tyler O'Neill's sake, I kind of hope they leave Carlson in the minor leagues a little bit because I still think there's some talent there. But um, Carlson has a chance to make the club an opening day. They have said he's only going to make the club if he starts. He's not going to be a bench player. Um, So based on all that, I think he's going to be sent to the minor leagues. But we will see him in May, and I think he's going to be an everyday job. Uh, He's not going to blow the doors off numbers-wise, but he's going to do a little bit of everything. Really good play in OBP leagues. So I'm intrigued by Carlson, and uh, I like the price, um, but there's just a lot of bodies in the way in St. Louis, contracts and bodies. Um, So, um, yeah, a little bit cold water on, on the Carlson hype a little bit, but I'm still intrigued enough at the price.
0: All right. I was gonna delete Brendan Rogers off of these uh, notes because we're going a little you bit should. low. should, <laughs> but I want to mention the fact that he's got an ADP of 360 with a high <laughs> pick and a low pick of 295 each. So <laughs> I
2: think even with, with with the threat of a and out trade, isn't he worth a grab anyways? Because he's probably the benefic- benefactor if, if that on uh, I think
1: Garrett
0: true. Hampson is.
1: Well, man, my issue with Rodgers, he's coming back off labrum surgery that he had in July. they I was just yeah, reading not a note it. on him this morning that said he just started throwing from 120 feet and swinging the bat, getting full swings on the bat. So it's like for me, I think he's a half season contributor at best. Yeah, that's fair. That that's my that's my issue with him. Now that said, I'm keeping him. In, I have a, a NL uh, keeper league, and he's my minor. I'm absolutely keeping him in that. Uh, but that's my concern is I'm not going to get anything out of him until June.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, let's finish out with uh, Nate Peter. Uh, sorry, Nate Pearson, uh, top pitching prospect for the Blue Jays. Matt, what are your thoughts on Pearson for this year?
2: Uh, big time stuff. Maybe the best stuff in the minor leagues of any arm. Uh, he just hasn't been able to um, string together um, heavy workload, and that's not really his fault. The the Blue Jays alternated appearances with him last year. They would go one start, he'd go five innings. The next appearance would be one or two, and then he'd go five, then one or two. They did that for the whole first half of the year um, in an effort to keep him healthy because the stuff is, for lack of a better word, ridiculous. Um, I don't see him making an impact this year because I don't think Toronto is going to be competitive. Uh, I think if it's a different story. And they're competitive. I think you see an impact. Much like if Detroit was competitive, I think you see Mize, Manning, and Scooboam possibly this year. But with them not being competitive, I think Pearson falls into that same bucket. You're not really going to see them. Um, but, you know, and if you're in quality start leagues, you don't even need to really worry about them for this year at all. Um, so,
1: yeah, that's where I'm at with Pearson.
0: Jason, you have anything uh, to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've already got them they already said they want to keep him on a workload restriction this year. They're talking 120-ish innings uh, from something, and you can put the I put the link in the notes if you want to put it on uh, uh, in the show notes. But they're already talking about that workload. Matt talked about last year the five inning and the two inning, the five inning, and the two inning uh, for him. So that's my concern. But there should be opportunity for him to pitch at the big league level. You look at this roster. which I'm very intrigued by how Toronto was going to pitch this year because in in a in a time when everybody is going after velocity pitchers. They got a bunch of junk ballers. I mean, Ryu, Anderson, Roark, uh, Shoemaker, Thornton is their projected rotation. Uh, you can look at Roark as a guy that's probably going to lead this staff in innings pitch, but this is a lot of guys who pitch with other stuff than their fastball. They use uh, their fa- They use other pitches to set up their fastball and surprise you, so I'm very interested to see how this approach works. Uh, you know, their bullpen is quite messy, uh, and and, and Pearson should be the first guy up uh, out of the bullpen because Barucki's already complaining about injuries, and they've got a whole bunch of guys are just gonna throw in there uh to that capacity but i in a in a reset league i would take the under on pearson pitching more than 75 innings at the major league level
0: all right well that is gonna wrap us up for this episode matt thank you for joining us yeah no
2: problem thank you for having me and i know you deleted him, but nick madrigal is the guy i'm buying for this year
0: right. oh yeah well, yeah do you want to talk um, real quick about him
2: Real quick, we can go real quick. I just think he's going to get stolen bases at a low price, and I think the batting average is relatively safe for a young kid like that. So I'm kind of intrigued. With no second baseman on the roster right now, I think Madrigal is the guy there. will be real quick.
1: And I would say, you know, because only because listener Craig has been talking about this guy all winter to me, he's a White Sox homer. But I mean, literally once a week, I'm getting a direct message about Nick Madrigal. Uh, and I've even, when I talked about, when you look at some of the other guys, it's just because of the ex- absurd contact rate this guy has. I mean, there should be a low floor for or for batting average. I think, you know, the power may be non-existent. Uh, and I have saw him play here in Charlotte a little bit, uh, but yeah, you know, he may. It may not get to five home runs. Maybe he does, and and surprises us. But the absurd contact rate and allowing him to hit ninth and down in the lineup should be a, a nice soft landing spot for him. But it's going to be batting average and, and stolen base driven. Yeah. The other stuff is really going to be low.
2: I think the I think the hate's gone too far on Madrigal a little bit, and I think he can provide value similar to what like a Colton Wong does in a different way, just right. like batting average side of OBP. So,
0: mm-hmm. all right. Uh, well, Matt, why don't you remind people where you can reach on social media and then plug all your work?
2: Yeah, MBTOPFWFB, uh, Prospects Live. Uh, we are ramping up, like I said, all the lists coming out, uh, redraft list, OBP list, uh, top 100 fantasy, top uh, 100 real life, top 30 for every. all the clubs working on that right now, um, high school and prep coverage underway, and also shameless plug, buy the FWFB draft guide and join the Pro- Prospects Live Discord for baseball talk all the time.
1: All right. Jason, what do you got going on? Uh, I am heading to Florida uh, on Tuesday. I've got some real job stuff to do in Orlando uh, Tuesday into Friday, then heading over to Tampa for first pitch Florida uh, and the AL labor auction on Saturday night. So obviously looking very forward to that. So I got a, a, a speaking part Friday night uh, on a panel with uh, Steve Gardner and nobody's it's Ray Murphy, Steve and Rick. Uh, rick and glenn uh and then i've got sunday morning to recap what is going to be a disastrous auction and i'm sure i'm going to suck and be projected to finish 12th and probably finish 12th and you know uh <laughs> it's it's man it's a, such a time not looking forward to going to an auction with eno and ian and like everybody that i talk to on a daily basis uh <laughs> so it's like great it's like we all share the same minds and we're all much gonna be it's gonna come down to strategy because it's like these are guys it's like an echo chamber almost but you know it's the people that it's such a tough room i mean i've done tout since 2007 but this i haven't done uh AL labor i haven't done a single league labor since 13 or 14 i think or as last time i did that so it's was just i'm excited for it to be on the east coast uh so i can i can do this because it's been really tough to get to arizona this time of year uh, just for a weekend and uh but man, it's a, it's a tough for him. So we'll see how it goes, and then sets the stage for uh, for tout and the OBP format in two weeks after that. Oh
0: god, I can't wait for Tout Wars this year! I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> uh, so obviously, I won't be able to record next weekend because I'll be at labor. So uh, you and a you and a guest host, or uh, you and a guest, will be driving it because I will not be on this show next weekend. But I can possibly do something uh, to do a labor recap with you. Uh, yeah, Monday, Tuesday night, uh, or something during the week, if you want.
0: Yeah, why don't we get together Monday or Tuesday? Two- well, it can't be Tuesday, but we'll, we'll talk. We'll figure something out to do a labor okay. recap maybe Monday night. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. What do I have going on? Uh, you know, Tower is coming up in two weeks. Oh, TGFBI is, is starting tomorrow. So you're going right. if you're on Twitter, you're going to be seeing a ton of content on TGFBI. Uh, I will have the live draft, or I will have. Links to draft boards, uh, links to projections uh, that Smada and my guys at Friends of Fantasy Benefits will be updating uh, kind of uh, live um, over on TGFBI.com. Uh, we're going to do a podcast tomorrow. It's actually a live stream, so you can see the video of it uh, for about three hours between, oh, what I think, 8 and 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that uh michael alexander uh, from from friends with fanny B- fantasy benefits and uh, fantasy alarm uh, he's gonna host uh, a bunch of guests coming on so uh, a lot of cool things coming up uh, I just released my outfield ranks today and I'll do a pitcher uh, ranks tomorrow or an update for those tomorrow so uh, and I'm sure there's other things going on. Oh, a Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide, go get it. Email me, uh, justinmasonfantasy.gmail.com, oh, yeah. or click the oh, link yeah. that hopefully Paul lets me put into the show notes. So uh, <laughs> 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 if he sees that, I put it there. So uh, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. For Jason, Matt, and myself, you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.